biblical context of spiritual gifts. The biblical context of spiritual gifts. We're going to continue starting in verse number 1 all the way through verse number 11 as we continue our journey through this incredible book written to young Christians. There's a lot of young Christians here. And thank God for that. And there's some older seasoned Christians. And we all need to be reminded of this truth. Let's be on board together as we look at this wonderful subject of the gifts God has given us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know, ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Isn't it amazing how we read Psalm 135, speaking of those dumb idols, and here the Bible speaks again of those dumb idols, and uh, I like that terminology. Paul's just frank sometimes. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the Spirit of being able to worship you as our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend. And God, I thank you so much for saving me. God, I was a wretch. I was a worm. God, I still am, but I'm a saved wretch. I'm a saved worm. And God, I'm thankful this morning that you can use frail human, frail people, sinners, by your incredible grace, to further the greatest news this world longs to hear, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would help us this morning to further the gospel in our hearts, to further Jesus Christ in our homes, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. God, how wonderful it is that you give us, that you give the church talents, abilities, gifts to preach Christ. Now guide us, change our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Last week, we began by looking at verses number 1 through 3 very quickly. Let's review for just a moment. We looked at this thought of the introduction of spiritual gifts, and we set forth the context in which Paul gives us. The context that Paul gives for spiritual gifts is that of putting Jesus in the prominent position of our authority as our master and truly using those gifts to help further that very great news that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Savior, that he is the Redeemer, and we want to truly to further Jesus Christ. The purpose of spiritual gifts is not to show that I have a spiritual gift. The purpose of the spiritual gift, as we saw, Jesus said, the, the Holy Spirit will encourage our hearts, will channel us to do what? To speak of Jesus Christ. A spiritual gift is to promote Jesus Christ, not ourselves. And so if we focus on the gift instead of Jesus Christ, we've got the cart before the horse. Uh, we are having we are taking things out of context and we're focusing on our, on the gifts instead of what God is intended for the purpose of those gifts. And we set that context that's so vital. Please do not forget this as we journey through these next three chapters, twelve through fourteen. 
It is vital that we understand and recall in our hearts and minds what the focus is, is that Jesus is the preeminent one. He is our focus, and he is the one that we are to encourage others to know and to enjoy that wonderful relationship with. What a th- thank God for that opportunity that we have to tell others about Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that we don't have to lead others to ourselves because I find that I have a lot of faults. You say, Pastor, yeah, you've been here for five years. I can tell you some. That's okay. I can write out a paper with a whole lot more. Amen? I'm glad you know just about a few. Uh, I could tell you a whole lot more, and my wife has a longer list than I do, I'm sure. But uh, (laughs) I can tease her because she's now turned 39 twice. As of Friday, she is an old, old, old uh, pastor's wife now, uh, frail, uh, just decrepit, about to fall apart in some places. <laughs> uh, does any does anybody have a place for me to sleep tonight? And uh, I might need it here. And uh, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, COVID, we can't go anywhere. <laughs> Car, here I come. <laughs> so I'm teasing, but God gives us a, a spiritual gift. Or God gives spiritual gifts not to promote us, but of course to promote Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that. I want us to look secondly as we're going to just focus on three verses. And I have really, I want you to give me a hearing this morning, please. Uh, would you allow your, the Spirit of God just to help you to identify and put some things in order? Again, all of these verses leading up to verses number seven and on uh or excuse me eight eight and on is so important that we understand what god is teaching us here notice what the bible says in verse uh as we continue in verse number four as paul teaches us about the source of spiritual gifts where do spiritual gifts come from the bible says now there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. God is a creative God. He's so creative. He is infinite in his imagination. That is one thing that I struggle with, is that is imagination and creativity i would rather say okay this works and so i'll copy this i can copy things pretty well uh my wife can say that very well because you know i just copy what she tells me to preach and that's what i'm doing this morning (laughs) did i say that right (laughs) um yes i'm in trouble this morning uh lord please forgive me i know not what i do and uh, (laughs) but god is very creative He has infinite talent. He has infinite abilities. It's incredible when you think about how much of a design and how much of an infinite creation God puts in all that we see around us. We've enjoyed some snow this year, or some may enjoy it. Some say, I hate the white stuff. But but however you feel, we've, we've enjoyed the beauty of the snow and such at times this year. When you think about all those millions and trillions of snowflakes, and all of them are different, I would run out of designs after about three. God says, I'm, not, I'm just getting started in one winter season. Think about that for just a moment. How incredibly infinite and creative is our God. All the millions upon millions of leaves that we enjoy just in our community, and we look forward to seeing here in just about a month or so time, all of them will be different in some way. They might be very similar, but there'll be some differences. God's designed it that way. How incredible it is that God has such a powerful imagination. But not only in just the snowflakes or the leaves in which we enjoy on a rose bush or the most beautiful maple tree. Every person is different. All of us are different. You're not like me, and I'm not like you. All of us are unique. 
and you are different from every other person that has ever been born and has ever lived or will live. How imaginative and creative is God? How incredible it is that God puts a unique fingerprint, a uniqueness about us that nothing else can compare to. What an incredible God it is that makes no two people exactly alike. Think about how many sunsets and sunrises this world has seen. With our eyes and with the creativity of of, of people we look and we try to admire the beauty and the scenery and yet there are no two sunsets that are just exactly alike they're all different in some way how incredible is our god god has an infinite imagination truly that reaches further than any man could even imagine going his understanding and his creativity is further than any one of us could begin to fathom. And the Holy Spirit of God, God himself, dwells within us. He resides within those who are children of God. Those who have been born again, born into the family of God. He lives within us. And he knows us. He knows your name. He knows you like no one else knows you. How incredible it is that our God cares so much about us that not only does he know us down to the deepest concerns of our heart, but he knows the very numbers of the hairs on our head. I'm going to play the Holy Spirit. None. Uh, <laughs> Some are easier to count than others. Amen? It's incredible at how wonderful and loving our God is. He knows everything. He loves us. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our abilities and our talents. The church in Corinth, nearly 2,000 years ago, had people with, I, or with different gifts, different abilities, different talents. Not everyone had the same gifts. Sometimes we take a thought, and if we're not careful, we can put our own preconceived context to Scripture. But the Bible tells us that there was diversities here. In other words, not everyone had the same gift. Not everyone was given the same spiritual talent. All had different gifts, but the same spirit, the same God. So vital for us to understand this. Because there are unfortunately some mistaken movements today. That states you have to have one gift. But the Bible is very clear that there were diversities of gifts. Look at verse number four with me once again. Now there are diversities of gifts. You can't get much plainer than that. That word diversities is the word variety. But the same spirit. If you were to go to Asda this afternoon and get a variety pack, you would get what? One bag, but inside that bag, you would have what? A variety of different crisp. You might have salt and vinegar. Lord help us. You might have cheddar and onion. Hallelujah. Or ready salted. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And any kind of combination that you might find there. And there's, of course, multitudes of different ones. But what? You have one item, but there's a variety of different things. If you were to open up the cheddar and onion, you would not expect salt and vinegar. Why? Because there's a variety, there's a diversity. They're all come in the same package, but there's a variety involved. 
God has a local church. God has the church. And the church has a variety, a diversity. That means one may not have the gifts of another. But when you put them together, it becomes a variety pack that reaches what? More people. That's one of the reasons why Walkers and other companies like McCoy's sell those variety packs. Why? Because they know salt and vinegar may not be your favorite, but it contains cheddar and onion. And if there's not a cheddar and onion specific pack there, you'll buy that variety pack. Why? Because you want what is inside because you want that part of the variety. It's an ingenious marketing ploy. And yet, it's an instruction that we can find biblical as well. When we come into a church, there's a diversity of gifts. Not everyone is my flavor. Not everyone is your flavor. But does that mean that we throw out the whole bag? No. We find the gift or the talents that speak to our hearts, that help us direct our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. There's a variety. How important it is for us to understand that the Holy Spirit of God indwelt every child of God in Corinth. And the same Holy Spirit could handle and know and knew what each individual could handle as far as the gifts that he would give. The same Holy Spirit gave a variety of gifts to a variety of different people. Not everyone had the same. Not everyone had the same abilities, the same talents, the same spiritual gifts. They were multitudes of gifts, but not everyone was the same. Look at verse number five quickly. There are differences of administrations. Then notice these last few words, but the same Lord. The wording here is different than the other two phrases. It's a unique terminology here as Paul teaches about the differing gifts that the Corinthian believers had and saw God use in their lives to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul here says there are differences of administration. That word administration speaks into the role especially done in the service to others as service or ministry. In other words, God gave different people different gifts or different spiritual gifts to do what? To help encourage and to help follow the Lord and to draw people to come to know Christ as Savior. God gave these different gifts for a reason. Why? Because he as the Lord. Do you notice that phrase? But the same Lord. The same Lord. Paul speaks of the Holy Spirit and of the Godhead in verses 4 and 6. But when we come to this verse number 5, he speaks of the Lordship. That word Lord means master or authority. It speaks of a submission for a purpose of the one whom you are following. Every child of God in Corinth had the same authority, the same Lord, the same master, Jesus Christ. He was their master. He was their authority. He is the head of the church, the Bible says. He is the leader, the master, the Lord of every local Bible-believing, gospel-centered church. He's the Lord of each one. And as we follow Jesus Christ, he enables in this church of Corinth to have different gifts, different spiritual talents, as it were, to be melded together to create one purpose, to bring glory to God and to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of the church is to bring glory to God and to further the gospel. That's our message. That's our statement. That's our course in which we are going. 
we, we invest hundreds of thousands or hundreds and thousands of pounds uh, to invest in getting the gospel across, across the world. And thank God for our missionaries. And by the way, let me just state this. As I sent out emails this week telling about the increase of support that we were sending to our missionaries and the gifts, I just received so many kind emails this back uh, this week back saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is such a blessing, such a timely thing. It is incredible how God moves and works. And thank God we can invest in our missionaries. Thank God we can have a greater part in their work. And I pray that we continue to do so and our missionary family continues to grow because it is important that we understand that we need to get the gospel around the world uh, they don't need the message of justin they don't need the message of put your name there they need the message of jesus christ they need him the world needs jesus and oh how much we need to tell him the gospel tell others the gospel of christ and that is the message and that is the focus and truly paul was reminding them look you have different ministries you have different talents you have different avenues in which you can tell the gospel of christ and use those talents as such my wife plays the piano beautifully she sings majestically if i were to sit where she sat you know what would happen flags around the country would go to half mast the angels in heaven would begin covering their ears or singing louder to keep my noise from invading their ears, something like that. It wouldn't be good. But there's a reason why she sits there, because God has given her a gift, a talent. There's a role, but there's also a role that her husband plays. She tells me what to say, and I say it. I, said, I did say that right once again. <laughs> I'm getting looks, amen. I think I'm just going to look this way right now. And uh, I love you, sweetheart. <laughs> but, you know, we have different talents and different abilities. It doesn't mean that hers are less than mine or mine are greater than hers. It just means God has given us different talents. And God uses that to meld together to do what? To further the gospel of Christ. Would it be as much of an encouragement if I was playing the piano and singing every week? So, well, we would get through it, but we would encourage digital audio. <laughs> we would suffer through it, but it wouldn't be as effective, would it? How many times we get comments on our live streams and the services, we love the music, we love the music ministry. We love this part of the service. We love the welcoming spirit. We love how God is working and moving, and we love this area. And God puts these things together. Why? For a purpose of furthering the gospel of Christ. Bring glory to Him. And the Holy Spirit intended for the church in Corinth to be a church that would mesh together, that would mesh their ministries together, edifying the Lord and His people to encourage to continue reaching the world with the gospel. There was difference of administrations. There was different ministries. And thank God for them. Thank God for the Sunday school ministry. Oh, how I can't wait for that to begin again. Oh, how wonderful it is to see the different ministries that God uses his people through. Oh, I pray that we'll be able to have Holiday Bible Club. Oh, I pray that we'll once again be able to see all the different rotas and things put together once again and God's people to once again get up and rally together and move in a way in which we can. By the grace of God, that Lord willing will come, but it, as we saw yesterday in a new normal, in something in which we're looking forward to, as we refine and continue to go forward, and it might, and it'll, it'll look different, but thank God we can look, go forward with the same gospel, the same gifts that God has given us, and use those in a talent in order to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank God for that awesome opportunity that we have to work in harmony, edifying God's people. Then notice what the Bible says in verse number six, and this is where we're going to stay for the rest of the time. There are diversities of operations. Stop there for just a moment. That word operations means implementation. 
The Bible tells us in the following verses that God gave, or the Holy Spirit gave, the gift of knowledge. That word knowledge there speaks of doctrine, teaching specifically. Speaking of teaching doctrinal truths. God gave some people in Corinth the ability to teach doctrine. To teach the truths of the word of God. And there's different implementations of that. For example, our Sunday school teachers, they teach doctrine to the children, but they teach it at a younger level. As we preach the Word of God here to uh, the teenagers and to the adults on a uh, what would pre-COVID time, we speak what? To a level in which the teenagers and adults can understand. There's a different level. There's a different teaching. It's the same gift, but a different implementation of that gift. God gives implementations or different areas in which one can use their talents in the ministry. How incredible it is that God allows our gifts to be implemented in the church role that helps and furthers the gospel the bible teaches us that god would give the spiritual gifts of tongues let me just simply state and this is where we are going with this that the word tongue speaks of languages you look throughout all of scripture and every single time you find that word tongues it is always 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 speaking of languages no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can't interpret it any other way when you look at it in an objective manner. Again, let's filter out our preconceived context and just simply look at the Word of God. This church in Corinth would have probably have spoken anywhere from three to five or more languages, being a city that saw so many people coming through it. Some of the major languages that would have been spoken in Corinth would have been Latin, Greek, and Celtic or Celtic languages that would come from the region of Galatia, which was a, which was a country that many ships would start from and then would continue into Corinth and, of course, continue on from there. Even Germanic languages as well, including that of languages like Hebrew, and this, this church would have been a very multilingual church. A church that saw many different languages or tongues spoken there. Some had the ability to speak to others in Hebrew, like Paul. And he, speaking in Hebrew, could help those who knew only Hebrew to do what? To come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Then there were some who knew the Celtic language and knew that they could help those who only spoke the Celtic language, what? To know Jesus Christ as Savior. There were some who knew Latin and could help those who spoke Latin, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and could help teach them and help them to know how Jesus is or desires to be their Savior, desires to be their Redeemer, and helps them to understand how and how to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And they would use that same language then to do what? To help teach that individual. To teach that individual how they too can become a disciple of Christ in the same language in which they were familiar with. They would then help them to teach in their own language how they too can lead others into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There was multitudes of languages that were spoken here different dialects and different languages that were understood and spoken and yet god would use these dear people who could speak these different languages to help those who spoke languages that didn't speak the main language it would be like as if um we were speaking here in english and we had a uh a Polish family come and as we maybe had a Polish family come maybe the father spoke 
Polish and as a born-again child of God, he would then interpret to his family what is going on in the English language here. It's the same thing that would happen in Corinth except in a multitude of different languages. And Paul was teaching them and helping them understand that God was implementing their talents. And we can look at others. We're going to use just those two for sake of time this morning. But he's going to implement them for a reason. God knew what was needed. Notice what the Bible continues to say in verse number six. But it is the same God, notice this phrase, which worketh what all in all what was paul saying god uses a variety of talents and a variety of ministries to implement them to do what to work all in all to work to further what his wonderful message of the gospel to further the ministry of jesus christ to further the Uh, the opportunity to reach more people with Jesus Christ. God, that same God, would lead, direct, and give opportunity to use those gifts. God knows what our gifts and our talents are. I do not. I don't know everyone's talents. I don't know everyone's gifts. But the same God who resides within me resides within every child of God. And he knows your talents. And if I try to play God, if I try to step into the role of the Holy Spirit and dictate you must have a spiritual gift, what am I doing? I am going against what the scripture teaches. Because it is God that gives the gifts, not me. This is so key. We're going to end with an illustration this morning. I want us to travel to the church in Jerusalem. Go to Acts chapter 6 with me, please. As I was studying and looking at this, God impressed this upon my heart. Please, please don't miss this. We set a background, we set some context. Now, I want us to see an application. In Acts chapter 6, we find the church in Jerusalem beginning the office of deacon. Deacon was that would serve the widows and the fatherless, would help those who the church could not fully attend to, not because they didn't want to, but because they were trying to teach and preach the word of God and to pray and to have a walk with God. And there was only so many things they could do with a church that was exploding with growth. And they needed some help. And the deacons came on board to serve. And notice what the Bible says in verse number five. We're going to be introduced to one here. We're going to be focusing upon. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And... Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. The Bible mentions in this list of deacons that would help the apostles, help the disciples, the second name mentioned there, Philip. Philip was one of the first deacons that the church in Jerusalem had. And this man, Philip, was a man who had a heart to preach Christ. We see his name in Acts chapter 6, verse number 5. The next time we see his name is in Acts chapter 8. Go there if you would, please. The Bible says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The Bible tells us that Philip seen a need in samaria now the samaritans were half jew and half gentile he had a burden to reach further the gospel of christ god was scattering the church in jerusalem because god told them to go into all of the world and preach the gospel of christ but they weren't fully obeying that they were preaching in jerusalem 
Oh, and there was a few that would get saved from other nationalities that would come, but their focus was on the Jew. And God was trying to get them past that. And God would fully deal with this further in Acts chapter 10 when they would go to the Gentiles specifically. But at this point, this was still a little bit of shaky ground as Philip, seeing the need for the Samaritans, again, half Jew and half Gentile, not a favorite of the Jewish people, but yet still with a part Jewish background, would go and he began to what? Preach Christ unto them. He had a spiritual gift. What was his spiritual gift? He had a gift of knowledge. He had a gift of being able to go and to teach people the doctrinal truths about Jesus Christ. He would go and he would use that spiritual gift of knowledge in Samaria. Let's continue reading. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many take with palsies that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Stop there for just a moment. What does Philip do? He goes down, he uses that spiritual gift of knowledge, that wisdom or that word of knowledge to go and to teach people the gospel of Christ, and God supported that gift with what the gift of miracles we're not going we'll, we'll, we'll cover the gifts in the company following weeks but i want us to just see how god implements them let's deal with this at this moment the bible teaches us that philip was used or god used this gift of this talent the spiritual gift of miracles to do what to enable people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wasn't focusing upon the miracles. It was simply a tool to open the conversation. It was a tool to tell more people the gospel of Christ. The Bible doesn't say he went down and he showed miracles to them. He said he preached Christ unto them. And God supported that with the spiritual gifts of miracles. Philip saw such incredible things happen in this city of Samaria. But let's continue here. We're going to be introduced to another character that we will come back to in just a moment. But let's read about him and get some context here first before we continue. The Bible says, but there was a certain man called Simon. This is not Peter, by the way. This is another man, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that, notice these words very carefully, that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And to him, Simon they had regard because of that because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries so here is a man philip he goes and he preaches christ this city has been inundated with a sorcerer a man who was dealt with some demonic spirits and he did some sorcery he did some witchcraft before them to try to validate his message and here comes philip he preaches the gospel, and what this man Simon could only fathom of doing, God was doing in a greater way through Philip. He was showing the city of Samaria, look, I sent a man, and it's not Simon. The man whom you need to listen to is Philip. God was clearly identifying with a spiritual gift, a spiritual talent. He was implementing it here in the city of Samaria, through Philip's ministry, what? To open the door of the conversation of the gospel. Does that make sense? We're on the same page. All right, good. Now, so we have two different scenes here. Notice what the Bible continues as we, uh, as we continue reading. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, 
And when he was baptized, notice this, he continued with Philip and wondering, and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So the Bible tells us that God's word began to take root in the heart of the people of Samaria and people began to be saved. Philip began seeing that his clients, his customers, were dwindling. Simon saw Philip, heard his message, saw what God was doing through his ministry, and he himself recognized, this is not, nothing that I can do. This is nothing that I can manufacture. I've done a lot of things, but I've not done anything like this. And he too believed in the Lord. He too got saved. He became a child of God. And he looked and he wondered and thought, how is this possible? How is Philip doing this? Philip used the God-given, talent, God-given gifts to him, not to lift himself up, but to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse number 26. We're going to come back in and we're going to fill in part of this story But I want us to see once again this implementation of Philip. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Okay, Philip is in Samaria. Multitudes are getting saved. God is blessing. Even the main sorcerer that said he was the great power of God got saved. God is doing some incredible things in Samaria. Peter and John have even gone down to Samaria to try to help because so much was taking place there. And God was blessing there in a powerful way. And God tells Philip to do what? To leave that revival that is happening in Samaria and go into a desert. God is about to implement a gift in Philip. Notice what the Bible tells us. And he arose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, or Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, again Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I except some man should show a miracle to me? That's not what the Bible says. Except some man should guide me. Did Philip have the gift of miracles? Yes, he did. What did he implement? The gift of knowledge. Of teaching doctrine to this Ethiopian eunuch. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, uh, prophet this of himself or of some other man, Then Philip opened his mouth and began to speak tongues. That's not what the Bible says. He did speak a tongue, the same language that the Ethiopian eunuch spoke, whichever language that was, and began at the same scripture and what? And preached unto him Jesus Christ. Philip used a gift, the gift of knowledge, to be able to teach doctrine to this Ethiopian eunuch who was searching for Jesus Christ. God used this talent. He did not do a miracle here. He did not perform in any way here. He simply used the gift of knowledge that the Holy Spirit had given him to help the eunuch to believe on Jesus Christ and to become a child of God. This Ethiopian eunuch would get saved. Philip baptizes him. And then notice what the Bible says in verse number 39. And they were come up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. 
But the eunuch saw him no more, and when he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip was found at Azotus, which would be considered modern-day Ashdod, or even previous to the Roman Empire there, Ashdod. You might remind, remember that, as that is a city that the Philistines occupied often in uh, throughout uh, the kings of uh, one and two kings and such, as you see uh, in history of Israel. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. The Bible tells us that Philip suddenly, after he preached Jesus Christ to this Ethiopian eunuch, was taken approximately about 30-some miles suddenly to Azotus or Ashdod. And he began preaching the gospel. And if you were to look on the map, uh, uh, Ash, uh, uh, Azotus or Ashdod is uh, south, a little south, uh, southwest of Jerusalem. And he would work his way north along the coast to Caesarea. And he stopped in every major city doing what? Preaching Christ. He used the God-given gift of helping people know the doctrine of Jesus Christ to know the doctrine of Jesus Christ. God used him in a situation. When I was a teenager, I loved to play in our church softball league. Softball, I know, is a little foreign here. Let me explain. Softball is like baseball in the States, except with a bigger ball and uh, easier to hit. And uh, so uh, men and women would play, teenagers and, and girls would play. And we had a church softball team. I enjoyed that. I like baseball, and I've practiced for a long time with that. And I enjoyed doing that. Uh, and, and I was a decent batter with that. I practiced a lot in our back garden. and was able to drive those baseballs quite far, and, and especially when I was younger and, well, and older too. Uh, I was always this tall and always proportionally wide as well. And so when you get that much meat behind that bat, uh, you can drive the ball, amen? And uh, I could drive the ball downfield, and I enjoyed playing that way. remember one time we were practicing, and as we were practicing, the younger team, which I was a part of, the teenagers were playing the college age or uni age uh, uh, team that our church had. And so we were just scrimmaging and, of course, trying to challenge one another. And I was excited about how the game ended. We were winning. The young teenagers were beating the college or the uni age, and we were excited about that, but they were nearing to win. Uh, there was a, the winning run was on base, and I was on what we call first base. And as I was there on first base fielding, the batter, one of the, one of the, one of the best batters was, was at plate, and uh, he could drive the ball deep into outfield and we were all on edge all looking and as we were doing as he swung that bat at the pitch suddenly the crack of the bat and that ball came hurtling towards me there was a base runner right where i was on the base and as soon as he heard that he began to run and i'll come back to that in just a moment they had one out they needed three for the game to be done and we to win the ball came hurtling towards me, but it was high above my head. And I remember jumping with all of my might. And I don't know if I used the ground as a trampoline, amen, just to get my weight to get back here. I don't know what I, did, what I did, but I just remember jumping. And I reached up as high as I could, and I caught the ball. As soon as you catch the ball, that's an out. But here's where it was. We needed three outs, and the runner was running. He did not think I was going to catch it, but all of a sudden, he heard that ball slam into my leather mitt. He turned around, knowing that when the ball was caught in the air and it was an out, that he had to go back to the base, and he had to tag the base to continue running. For if he did not, and all I did was touch the base, he would be out, and the game would be over. And so he saw it, and he was a fast runner tall lanky guy i can still picture him he saw it and it seemed like he was 40 steps away but in just a flash he was right there next to me running with all of his speed diving trying to stay safe 
And at that moment, as I caught the ball, I recognized what was going on, and I reached out with my left foot, and I touched the base just as he was sliding in, and I got what they call was a double play. It was impressive to get double play with two people, let alone by yourself. I was excited about that. I won the game for us. It was exciting. It was I was I was thrilled. My teammates came up and, you know, we're all congratulating. And even the coach came up and said, Justin, that was an incredible play. I was so excited. But I used those, ga- those talents and what little talents I had at that right moment to make the play. I didn't go bragging about my talents afterwards. I was excited that our team won. That's what Philip did. God used him at the right place at the right times to do what? To make the right play. What was the play? Preach Jesus Christ. He used the talents that God had given him to further the gospel. Do we see Philip ever promoting what he did? No. God would use that For the Bible tells us that in Caesarea, Philip would have a family later. He would have four daughters that would prophesy, that would teach Jesus Christ. And again, we'll come to those spiritual gifts next week. We'll address some of these things and put them in a context, biblical context. But God would use those in a powerful way, what? To further Jesus Christ. Now we talked about Philip. Now for just a moment, Let's go to Simon. Go back, please, to Acts chapter 8. Look at verse number 18. The Bible says, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Simon is now a new child of God. And he sees what the apostles, Peter and John specifically, have done. God waited to give the Samaritans the Holy Ghost until they got there. I believe for a couple of reasons. I believe primarily for the apostles, Peter and John, so that they could be further instructed and further solidified in their heart that, look, When someone comes to know Christ, it doesn't matter if they are a Jew or if they are a Greek. I am the same God, and he wanted to help them understand that the Holy Spirit wasn't just for the Jews, but it was for all. And I believe it was a moment in which God himself was trying to help the apostles to understand that the Holy Spirit of God had the same spirit for all people who trust in him. I believe it was a teaching time. I believe it was a moment in which the, the apostles were being encouraged. Look this way, please. And as he was demonst- and as they saw this, and as Simon, not Peter again, but this sorcerer that was in Samaria got saved, he saw what was happening. He saw people's lives being changed by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Ghost. And as he saw lives being changed through the indwelling of the Spirit of God, he looked at the apostles and said, I want that. His focus became what? The gift. He offered them money, the Bible says. He says, tell me how to have this. I'll pay you anything. You name it, but I want that. I want that gift. Remember the gifts that Simon used of witchcraft, sorcery, doing great things, quote-unquote. He was the focus of attention on Samaria. And now that attention was gone. Now that intention was being directed to Jesus Christ. But that nature, his identity, who he was, was what? It was still directed to his talents. And now the talents he had were no longer required. And he was struggling with what? 
he was struggling trying to figure out where he fit. Because his identity, the core of who he was, was focused upon a gift. Now look at verse number 19. Saying, give me also this power. Power. Again, the identity of I want that power. I want to be the focus of attention again. That on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. He's still learning. He's still understanding. He's like, I, I, I want to have this ability, this gift. But Peter said unto him, notice how Peter addresses this. Peter changes so much in Scripture when you first meet him. But there's still some of that old nature that comes out, and we see it right here. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee. Peter's not going to mince words. He's just going to tell it like he is, like it has, just like he used to. Because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. You have nothing to do with this. For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Wow. Can you get any more blatant and any more confrontational than that right there? Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Peter says, you're looking at the wrong place, you're looking at the wrong source. What was he doing? We'll see in just a second here. He was focusing upon his talent, upon his ability. He wanted that gift because he wanted to be able to state, look what I can do with this power. That was his focus. That was his heart. And he was going to pay and was willing to pay anything to get that. And notice how Peter ends this statement. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness. Peter said, your identity has been so tied in previous, previous years into being that great one that everyone goes to that now that people are turning to God, your heart has become bitter in jealousy over God or Jesus Christ's prominence in Samaria now. He says you are bitter at God because you are focusing upon a talent that you want to be displayed to point people to yourself. He says you are jealous over the ability that God gives. He says you are a you are jealous or have become bitter over what God has made you instead of what you want God to make you to be. It's become a source of bitterness in your heart and life. And notice he says, and in the bond of iniquity. He says you have tied your identity so much to this gift that if you do not have it, it is going to be the end of you so, uh, as you think. You are so focused upon this gift that it has caused you to get into a bitter jealousy with God and into a bond of iniquity. It has become a sinful desire. It has become an idol to you. This has begun to take your life. You see, Simon was used to having identity of performance. Don't miss this. I mentioned softball a moment ago. Can I take you to another softball game? This was a game we were playing with another church, a league game. We were down one run. And the winning run was on third base but this time i was the batter one out left i was the pinch hitter that my coach had made me the hope <laughs> of trying to drive in this run and so i remember stepping to the plate and the pressure was on we had two outs i was the last hope we had one runner on third base if they if i could have got a hit and they could have come home 
we would have tied it and gone into extra innings and hopefully would have won. But the pressure was on. Everyone was focusing. Everyone was saying, Justin, you got to do this. You got to hit that ball. And the pitch came. I swung and missed. The pressure was there. It was real. I have three strikes, three opportunities. I don't remember if it was the second or the third pitch, but I connected with that ball. And I connected well with that ball. I watch it go up and up and up. And I took off for all I could, hoping and praying that it would continue going up because it was going straight for an outfielder that was just watching that ball standing in place. Literally did not move. And as he watched that ball come up and it came right down, and I watched as that fielder just raised his mitt and collapsed it right upon my hit. He didn't have to move. I hit a deep ball straight perfectly to him. I was not the hero that day. <laughs> the gift that I was focusing upon, can I hit this ball far enough and hard enough? And the gift that I enjoyed having to try to perform at that moment became something of intense pressure. The adrenaline flows at that moment because you want to hit the ball, you want to succeed, you want to win. But then there was an agony with it. For as that pressure is there, the agony of having to perform is real. It's hard. It can be devastating. I wasn't very happy when that fielder caught the ball. Why? Because my performance wasn't what I Sadly, there are Christians today that make a performance out of that gift and say, my gift has to be used in that way. I have to have that spiritual gift. I have to have that talent. I'll give whatever money you have to have. I'll do whatever is needed. I will do what you say to do because I want to do that gift. And they make a, a complete performance out of that gift. And our identity becomes no longer tied to Jesus Christ, but to what the Holy Spirit can perform through someone. That's not the focus God intends. God says, the same God worketh all in all. He moves. He furthers his cause. He furthers the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there is a danger with these gifts in the fact that if we are not careful, they can become idolatry. They can become a moment of focus. And instead of saying, I was at the right place at the right time, and God used that spirit, God used that spiritual gift that he... Uh, 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 that he gave me to help further the gospel of Jesus Christ but now it can become a performance in that I didn't perform like I ought to or think I should have and suddenly our identity is broken it's destroyed our spirit is troubled why? because our performance didn't match what we hoped it would be this is where Simon was his performance was all that he wanted. And we must be careful that we do not make a spiritual gift a performance. Because if you make it a performance, it is no longer about Jesus. It's about me. Paul tells us it's the same God. The focus of the gifts is not upon the giftee. It's upon the giver, God himself. God truly wants our identity not to be tied in 
what we are gifted to do, but in who we are gifted to tell about. How we can further the gospel of Christ. Let me ask you this morning. Where's your heart when it comes to spiritual gifts? Do you read that list and say, oh God, I want that. Oh God, i got to have that. Or is the matter of God, I want to be at the right time, or at the right place at the right time. And however you use me, I just want someone to know Jesus. The difference is vast. Because the difference between an identity firm in Christ, it'll say, Lord, what would you want me to do? Just as Philip did. God, you want me to preach? I'll preach. If you use the gift of miracle, I'll use the gift of miracle. God, however I can be used, I just want Jesus to be told. And that ought to be the focus, the context of spiritual gifts in our life. May we truly further Jesus Christ. I know I've taken a little bit of time. I did not think we were going to spend as long as we did this morning on this. But I believe it's so vital because, again, there are so many movements today that are focusing upon the gift instead of Jesus Christ. And I would rather be guilty of following and promoting Jesus Christ too much, if that's even possible. (laughs) And I don't think it is than about promoting what I can do or what gift God has given me. Let's keep it in context. Biblical context.